just okay and i believe that we are going live at this stage let's just get the confirmation from the team that we are officially live and in the meantime let us wait for the community all to join the live stream welcome for the ones who are joining And we are live. Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders to share with you their scaling up journeys, their scaling up lessons, scaling a business from 2 million to 100 million uh, ARR. Today, I have a very special guest. Uh, she is Anna Gong, the CEO at Porks Technologies. Anna, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Pleasure to be here. My pleasure. So let us get, help us to get to know a little bit more about yourself and uh, who is Anna and uh, how did you start Perks Technologies? Well, um, how do I sum it up in the short? <laughs> um, well, I think my career started out in, you know, in Silicon Valley um, 12 years. And so I was groomed from a, a, a baby to a full-fledged professional, um, having been there for, for a dozen years. And I was always addicted to, or even surrounded by startups. So um, I had a series of startup experiences, um, a total of four startups in the Bay Area. And it so happens that one of them successfully exited to CA Technologies. Um, this is when I was at Hyatt. And so I got propelled into Asia, the opportunity to, to run the business here and help them uh, scale um, the acquisition. And that's when I moved to J um, Japan, spent a couple of years in Japan in 2009, and then moved to Singapore um, in 2011. And you know, I've been here ever since, and this is my fifth startup experience. And so combination of MNCs, multinational, as well as uh, startups, um, but I'm just addicted to risk-taking. I'm, I'm <laughs> bit of a maverick so I, I don't think I can survive in big companies anymore um, I like to challenge the status quo so a lot of that comes from you know the, the startup mentality got it sounds great and um, what is perks technologies and how are you trying to change the world and disrupt the industry <laughs> right so so we realize that there's a, a gap in the marketplace especially in you know in Asia where everything is now mobile led. So we developed a B2B SaaS platform that's focusing on solving a lot of the B2C enterprises, um, customer engagement and loyalty challenges. Um, most of us uh, who bank or work with telcos or have insurance um, uh, portfolios, we, we never really been engaged in a relevant way and nor is it proactive. So I think when you talk about direct to consumer challenges, a lot of these companies are solving their digital transformation, not just from an infrastructure perspective, but everything now is consumer driven. And finally, when we say consumer centricity and customer centricity, it really means in customers, uh, finally. And I think Asia has been in the forefront of that because there's so much leapfrogging. You hear a lot about super apps. Um, there's another big term that's been thrown around uh, left and right and center. And these super apps are now 
um, everything under the sun. So it's like a smorgasbord of services um, that you can consume, massage, health and wellness, rides, um, you know, food, food delivery, uh, chiropractors, fixing, you know. So anything that you want in one single app is called a super app. And um, so I think Asia is now defining that, that whole market. And a lot of the banks and telcos and all these big enterprises are competing with them. Got it. And in terms of the stage of the company, so um, what is the account at, at this stage? We're at 65 and we're growing rapidly. And so we're hiring, um, we're not hiring fast enough, uh, unfortunately, but we want to grow to about 100 in the next six months. So um, really scaling across the region as well as globally with some of our partners. That's great. You, in terms of fundraising, you have raised uh, Series B. Uh, do you want to share some of the investors that are backing uh, Perks Technologies? I think it are very interesting. <laughs> right, right. Um, we had initially Eduardo Saverin, uh, co-founder of Facebook, uh, funding us and really supportive of our endeavors uh, and the vision that I, um, I delivered to him. And then we started to raise uh, additional money through Golden Gate Ventures, um, who's also been quite supportive. Um, the new batch on Series B, Line Ventures came in, um, co-invested with Eduardo Saverin, um, Golden Gate, and these um, companies. Encore Ventures is a Korean-backed uh, CVC. And uh, Access Ventures is a, a you know earlier stage investment um, uh, venture fund and they're going into the fund too so we have a number of um, various um, CVCs as well as strategic investors capital management um, they're a family office but they are heavily into private equity as well so Asia is a mixed bag <laughs> uh, for the life of me I couldn't find the right investors because B2B was very nascent in this market. We're probably one of the first um, pioneering batches of B2B SaaS platforms in right. Asia. And B2C has been taking the toll, right? They're, they're the ones who are um, taking a lot of the money and making a lot of the noises, but now it's saturated. And investors want to see more sustainable um, and business. not race to the bottom kind of, kind of business models, right? And that's, so B2B that's great. Which means yeah. that you are pioneering uh, a new trend uh, in the region and you would be also helping the next generations of B2B SaaS entrepreneurs who want to learn from you <laughs> and, and let's do it uh, already today. For the ones who are joining us for the first time, we always have those conversations around a set of very simple habits. We will cover three of those um, 10 habits that we believe would help you to scale from 2 million to 100 million by tripling two times and doubling three times. So tripling, which means that you would go from two to six and from six to 18, and then doubling three times, which would be 18 to 36, 36 to 72 and 72 to 144 uh, million. So the important thing is 100 million plus. If you add additional two years of mistakes that you found growth plateaus or did you, did you make the, the wrong uh, decisions and another two, three years of product market fit, you would get the, the usual decade if everything goes well, as I like to say. <laughs> so that, that's, that's the investment of, a, of an entrepreneur and, and congrats for, for that. And so uh, bringing the first topic, uh, which is, or the first habit, which is the executive team is healthy uh, and aligned. 
what was the most difficult VP uh, to hire so far? Oh, that's tough. Um, if I was in Silicon Valley, it would be a very different <laughs> discussion. But in Asia, I think engineering leadership is very challenging to, um, to hire for. Um, you have to have the business acumen. Um, there are a lot of glorified developers and engineers, but not a lot of leadership here and not a lot of management. So you can see the engineering leaders um, have been hired from the West. And so it's a very common, uh, I think, challenge across the, the industry here. The other one is if you're going global and if you're building SaaS, which Asia is not very used to homegrown SaaS platforms, especially selling to the enterprise, it's been dominated by the traditional guys like Oracle, Salesforce, um, you know, IBM and, and all these big traditional guys. Um, and then the number of plethora of different um, growth startups like ServiceNow and, and MuleSoft and those exited uh, very successfully. But when you look at hiring a global revenue leader, it's uh, very different as well because the mindset um, if what got you here won't get you there yeah. and we're building a very high velocity high scaling mo business model um, traditionally if you're selling on-prem solutions um, and now you're selling SaaS solutions the business model is very different so i think that in terms of finding the right dna to support your growth endeavors is very tough um, as well as looking at how to bridge that gap between Asia and Silicon Valley mindset, um, the Western mindset that I so happened to have a lot of challenges. So I hire poorly. I, I made a lot of mistakes and, um, and you learn from those mistakes and you right course your mistakes. So I will probably continue to make a lot of mistakes, but you know, <laughs> hopefully these micro mistakes will, you know, be smaller and smaller. <laughs> Absolutely. Got it. And um, we always talk about the evolution of the leadership team and how important it is to anticipate uh, the next positions, even the structure of leadership team. I like to call about moving from the founding team to the leadership team 1, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and always be working on the next version of the leadership team and working on a, 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 a pipeline of future VPs that would be important at a certain point to join the company, as we do with, the, with investors um, as well. How important is it to you to work regularly on the structure and on the talent that you want to bring to your leadership team and to develop your leadership team? So um, yeah, if you can share what has been the evolution, what were the positions that you started to hire, what you are looking for in the future? Yeah, so, you know, right now we're looking for more uh, leadership, balanced leadership, and not um, per se the, the C-levels, but the, the mid-management mid to be able to lead and grow into those leadership positions uh, scale. Um, we don't want everybody to be generalists or jack-of-all-trades anymore. We're, we've kind of gone beyond that. We need now more expertise, uh, very deep knowledge in certain domains. And so when we scale out, I think we would need to find those um, niche leaders to uh, focus on certain areas, uh, like how do we build a, a FinTech marketplace, a rewards marketplace, gamification, and you know, are you loyalty specialists? And so even finding the right product managers, you have to then put them in the, uh, a domain expertise uh, rather than generalizing them because now our platform's getting more uh, deep as well as broader. 
And um, so finding those people will, will be uh, really critical for the next stage. And then sales reps, um, we're a completely direct um, to our customers as a direct sales model. And SaaS is really hard to find a channel ecosystem. Um, we don't have heavy services. Uh, we go live within days uh, or a few weeks. So even with large enterprises, so then how do you partner with the tra uh, traditional resellers or SIs? Even some of our customers have actually pushed out their SI that they worked with for so many years. And now we have a direct relationship with our um, uh, customers. And so those are dynamics that are changing um, greatly we've seen in the market. So, you know, hiring the right folks to sell strategically and then we're launching a self-serve platform in the coming weeks and that will enable us to really go live and we're open sourcing our product and, and framework. So that's also another first in Asia to do so. So we're doing a lot that's of first stuff and you guys are the first to hear this. <laughs> that's <laughs> we're, awesome. We're announcing this in the next few weeks um, in, the, in the greater scale, but I'm really proud of you know some of the innovations that my um, head of engineering is uh, driving. We went from a very sales-led organization now to more of a product-led organization. And so we want to create a global community of kick-ass developers and, and engineers contributing to the platform. Got it. That's awesome. And let's bring the habit number two. If we have the right team and the right people on the right seats, now it's time to think about the direction. So where we want to go and what is the next milestone to get closer to this big area uh, audacious goal. We all know that uh, going through those uh, stages from C to Series A, from Series A to Series B, and now going from Series B to a potential Series C, who, who knows the, the future, it's all about sharpening the saw and narrowing the, the focus of the company. So what, what has been the most difficult decisions that you made until now in terms of defining specific verticals, defining what are your core competencies, defining what is your mode, uh, what, is, are, what are the geos that you are targeting. So, you know, all these questions that are in the mind of the entrepreneur as they get more clarity about their business and avoiding trying to do everything for everyone, which is the kind of the meaning of uh, strategic me mediocrity. <laughs> and uh, so how has it been for you to define this next big milestone when there are so many things that we can do um, in the business? Well, I, I, I come from a, a sales background, uh, a technology and sales background. So I always give our team a stretch goal and we're looking at growing 5X this year. So that's well really true. <laughs> if we go and meet 3X, 4X, I'm still very happy. <laughs> but, well um, you know, these are the BHAGs that we, we have internally as well as, you know, to the market. Um, as startups, we want to go bigger than what we can achieve. And so if you have these stretch goals, why not, right? We're, we're not answering to the Wall Street. Um, so <laughs> We can do a few of these things right. Uh, we can definitely achieve it. Um, you know, the, the BHAGS is growing beyond Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. Uh, we're in seven countries now, and we want to be able to go across um, to the rest of Asia Pacific, perhaps, um, as well as Europe and US. Uh, we just came back from Oracle Open World, and Oracle uh, working with us as one of their preferred uh, loyalty and engagement startups uh, globally. 
And so they're asking us to support them in the North American market. And so it's a lot of demand coming from these global partnerships where we have to make some very strategic um, decisions uh, coming up. Um, and then, you know, looking at how do we scale and effectively, we still have to be hyper-focused. Um, I think it's really easy to get distracted. Um, a lot of our, um, you know, I would say the, the traditional platforms and, and the ad tech uh, folks have been going after retail and FMCG brands and CPG brands. And we actually focus mostly on banking insurance and telcos. And those are the, the verticals that we, we picked because they have the most um, budget. <laughs> they, they are very innovative in their natures because they have to. Um, and they're very sophisticated in, in uh, the next generation of technologies and they're lower maintenance, right? If you look at retail and FMCG and CPG brands, um, they are much more high maintenance uh, and less sophisticated than the traditional, um, you know, very tech focused organizations. And so we see that um, as we evolve, we want to focus more on engagement and actually help these organizations monetize on the existing base and where the retail and these other companies are focusing way too much on ad tech and ad tech is now being pummeled um, agencies are being pummeled and hammered on you know can you expose the ROI can you quantify the investments I've made with your organizations and the vanity metrics don't really um, you know they, they don't matter anymore you know a million likes on Facebook what is it quantifying to revenue and you know, uh, click-throughs and page views are not enough anymore. So we've seen a lot of large corporations pushing back. And we, if you can, you know, like Perks Platform, we can help you um, drive visibility into every single campaign and create ROI around those. Um, if we are not measuring ROI, that's not, you know, I, I advise a lot of the executives to rethink what kind of marketing investments they're making. Got it. So and, uh, it's good to see that your verticals are super clear and why you choose those. So you said banking, insurance, uh, telco. I assume you are very focused on enterprise or also mid-markets and, and small business. It's funny that you say that. Um, even though we have a lot of the regional tier one brands uh, and global brands on our portfolio, but we actually aimed after challenger companies. So if you're on your home turf and you're number one, number two, or even number three, you're going to be very complacent. And, but if I go to a different market where you're number two or number three, and you really are trying to pump, you know, up the, your branding and, and your um, growth strategy, um, we go after those challenger brands, despite that you could be HSBC, you could be a challenger in other markets. Um, so we work with them first and create uh, these amazing successful use cases and then show the ROI and then we start to help them expand into other regions. Um, and then their counterparts would see that we're driving a lot of uh, successes in, in that uh, particular market. And so the adoption gets viral is the land and expand strategy. Um, um, we also have selectively worked with a specific retail conglomerate and Asia is very different from, you know, the Western market, you know, the, the top few families own pretty much almost everything in, in Asia in each country. So we choose to work with the family offices that own hotels, retail, uh, supermarkets, the, you know, uh, banks. Um, some of them own not just the, um, 
hospitality, but they own almost everything. So if we go after one family brand, they would then start to multiply that effect. Um, so we don't go with chains. Like I'm not interested in serving with my small team, an outlet, you know, retail outlet with 20 chains or 20 outlets. It's actually not, uh, I don't have the bandwidth to support a um, high maintenance account. I'd rather do the same for a bank that has a billion dollars in budget to spend on the next generation of digital transformation. <laughs> so it's a, a very different story. So we have to be hyper-focused and, and we're very selective of the accounts that we're working with. Got it. That's cool. And just a, a note for the audience, uh, look for the kind of focus and congrats for this. And it's, it's very rare to see this uh, and see, especially at, at this stage of your kind of 80-20 rule always applying. So what are the verticals where we can win over our competitors that are low maintenance for this stage of company and that can have the larger return on the short term. Uh, Anna is not denying the potential and the, and the size of the market. She's just criticizing pretty, where the efforts and the, and the investment might have more uh, return on the short term from your interpretation of the market, uh, of course. And let's come to uh, habit number three, which is related to execution. So if we have the right team uh, or the right people on the right seats, focus it on the right um, milestones and, and direction to, to shift the vision, uh, it's now all about uh, execution and the speed of execution. So what kind of rhythms uh, do you have um, in, in the company? Or even better, uh, we all have the same kind of uh, rhythms, but what are the rhythms that are more important to you? What, what are the rituals of the team that are more important to you to speed up execution? I think um, building velocity is about operational excellence. Um, you know, how well are you managing your sales ops? Um, how well are you uh, applying, you know, marketing and digital marketing and content? Um, we've actually, for the for, you know, first couple of years, we only focused mainly on uh, inbound. And so we rarely did ABM. Um, and our marketing budget is so slim that, you know, regardless, we now have what, 60 to 70% of our inbound uh, or our or leads coming from inbound activity. So awesome. we haven't been making a lot of effort um, because if you're drowning in leads, what's the point of doing all these other campaigns? So um, we've been very fortunate uh, at the amount of money that we're spending on digital marketing and content that we're driving that kind of traffic inbound. Um, so we have barely opened the pipe. Um, so in the next phase, we will actually do a lot more A-B testing on, um, you know, replacement campaigns, uh, a lot of ABMs and, and also uh, more sophisticated content driven activity. And because we're launching the self-serve platform, I think the, you know, having a sustainable CS organization, customer success uh, team, currently we have negative churn, um, which is, well you know, it's hard to tell investors what that means because they're so used to churn. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and because we're only serving large enterprises, um, they're very uh, sticky. And But if we're actually opening up the platform for organizations of all sizes, we started out an enterprise, which is very stupid and dumb in most circumstances, but we did it the hardest way rather than the SMB up, um, which most platforms do. But we started really in a difficult trajectory, um, solve the enterprise uh, problems first, build a very rich and, and um, platform, uh, innovative platform, and then go downstream. Now we're actually um, finding our way through that actually 
despite large organizations, SMEs actually also deserve the same user um, experience. So we developed this new technology where we have to then figure out how to scale customer success. Today, we don't really have a big CS team. We, we don't really need it. Got it. It's interesting to see also the, the opposite uh, movement. And sometimes it's very difficult at a certain stage where you are super strong in small businesses or in mid-sized businesses to kind of go upstream and also to dedicate and really uh, define as a milestone to go enterprise. And, and a, a, a priority where you invest the resources and where you focus the company. Uh, it, it's very difficult when 80% or 90% of your business comes from uh, another uh, segment. Cool. And so let's go forward to cash to the last section of, of the show. Uh, we all know how important it is cash. Without cash, uh, there is no future. There is no business, huge pressure. And uh, we might be in a very difficult uh, situation. Um, so uh, how did you went through the different fundraising uh, rounds? So what was important to you to to raise Series A first and then to raise uh, Series B? So Series A was a difficult one um, because it was the pivot and you're selling just a vision and it was a round that was the most difficult to raise. So we found Golden Gate and Eduardo Saverin who continuously supported us. And so they started that, um, that fun uh, during the Series A with us. And then moving to B, because there are not that many B2B SaaS platforms out here, um, I had the toughest time raising and I actually wanted to raise 10 million so that I have enough runway to not think about things so I can scale effectively. But I ended up having a really hard time articulating and, and we're getting to the, the VCs that understood large enterprise SaaS. And, um, so, and then the US VCs and the Western VCs are, they, they don't really have the appetite to invest in Asia because they have so much pipeline in their home markets already. So we, we had a, a, so that's why I call it our first pioneering batch, which is we, we've already brainwashed the VCs. We, we got their appetite really, um, you know, uh, heavily into thinking about SaaS now. And also the market's pushing them into that space too, because B2C is so saturated. But, um, in, you know, the B round, um, so I had to just compromise. I had to make sure that I was running out of money. So if I don't, you know, finalize this round, I, I needed to um, rethink our strategy, but I raised instead of 10, I raised five only. Um, and, you know, we, we were able to last uh, 18 months and I'm raising my C round um, in the coming January, uh, early part of this um, 2020. And so I think with the, the growth that we're aiming for, it's a very, um, it's a sweet spot for a lot of VCs to come, come into this round now. Got it. Any cash uh, advice for startups out there? Uh, I see that you keep your burn rates uh, under control. You try to be very nimble across customer success uh, and marketing. Any cash les lessons that you, that you could share um, with the audience? Oh, um, there's not one recipe. I think everybody goes through their own journey. But for us, we ran out of money, <laughs> you know, multiple times. Uh, we, we thought that we could last the, you know, but we ended up uh, constantly raising uh, bridge rounds here and there because 
um, the unsophistication of the market here. Um, but now I think the, the investors are getting savvier. So I don't think for the next batch coming in would be that difficult. Um, and then also there's a crowded fintech play in Asia, right? Singapore is right. the hub of all fintech startups here and it's quite crowded. And then there's a lot of VC money pumped into that space. But cash wise, um, we're deliberately burning um, for the right reasons. If we didn't want to scale across markets and become a global player or you know a, a much bigger regional player, then yeah, we can be profitable. We can just you know uh, be in the home market for a few countries and then call it a day. But you know, go big or go home. I didn't start this company or you know be in the startup game just to be a small player. Um, we're beating some of the global established software companies, which is you know a validation in itself and we want to continue doing that and we want to impact the ecosystem even more so so that's uh, something you know cash is there's no right recipe but we're burning still and we will continue to burn for probably the next 12 months and especially finding this uh balance uh when you are being too risk adverse and you are spending uh less than what you should be spending and being less aggressive than what you should be to be becoming too aggressive before testing out uh, where you are investing and 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 creating a, a very complex situation um, later because then you can show the metrics to raise uh, the next uh, round and this balance is a little bit more complicated if we are being too um, risk adverse or are we being too ambitious uh, and uh, we are not uh, taking care of the future of the company and of of the journey of the marathon let's say uh, it's not a sprint correct that's great and uh, and what's next so what do you think are the the next big milestone for for the next 12 months uh, or 24 months for for perks technologies well, we, we are strategically looking for partners and new acquisitions as well in the um, advanced analytics space, as well as the, you know, some companies that are already existing. I think a lot of our competitors have pulled out of this market, <laughs> which is great for us, or they're slowing down or they, they're, you know, unable to execute uh, at, the, at the rate that they were supposed to. Um, so we're seeing us uh, as one of the few players in Asia um, and, and it's great to, um, to be in this uh, situation. But for us, it's really about um, building velocity and um, growing bigger. Uh, my, my whole thing is to grow three to five X now in the next two, three years. Um, so it's, um, you know, a lot of uh, stretch goals for the company. But I think uh, with, with some of the stuff that we're doing globally with our partners and some strategic um, deals that we're working on, um, it's, not a, it's not impossible. I usually ask on the show if, if our guests believe that it is um, sustainable to always uh, two or three X the company results to stay uh, in the championship or in the, um, of, of VC. And it's good to see that you are not uh, even questioning that we should two or three X. You are even going uh, beyond and saying uh, we want to five X, but we would be happy with three or four X. So that's that's great to see. And let's go for the last question of the show, one of our favorites, which is if you would have the opportunity to meet yourself at the beginning of first 
Perks Technologies. Uh, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Oh, goodness. Um, be less impatient. <laughs> <laughs> Always been a very impatient person and learning how to pause a bit. Um, I, I started building a lot more mindfulness and, and meditation into my lifestyle. And that's uh, really uh, sustained me in the last uh, two, three years, uh, especially as rocky as the growth stage that we were in. So it's been tremendous help, but definitely be more patient and it's okay to pause. I've, I've learned that from some of the most successful entrepreneurs. In fact, they actually have a Bali retreat every year for a couple of batches of startup founders to go to Bali and pause a little. <laughs> so I wish I had that. I've known about that long time back, but I, I did exercise that retreat and it was fantastic. That's that's great. I've heard about that retreat. I'm not sure what is the partner of one of the investors in the region that organizes this retreat. It was Monk's Hill, right? Uh, Monk Hill, exactly. I, I met last August the one of the partners in Bangkok uh, when we were leading some uh, scale-up workshops uh, across the region, and good to see that the community is together and uh, you. And I think that everyone was enjoying a lot being in a small group of CEOs and founders and really uh, sharing experiences at the same time. Kind of chill out and 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 rest a little bit and give get perspective uh, uh, and you're uh, not alone right and, and you are not alone <laughs> <laughs> exactly in a very messed up business and the challengers are so great but yet you know we still wake up with so much ammunition and and you know motivation it feels wonderful and uh, this podcast, I can say it was really a conversation and it was really a pleasure to, to host you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. And it's been a pleasure. Perfect. And to our community, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, you all know that we are always open to new challenges, to have new guests, new topics that might be useful to you to scale your business from 2 million to 100 million uh, AR. Uh, thanks so much for watching and uh, see you soon. Thank you.